Hey guys, welcome back to Kindle. This is episode 151 and I'm your host Haley Williams. Today I have a great conversation with a friend who I first met on Instagram but then met in real life when I realized we go to the same church and her name is Z. She has an account on Instagram called narrow is the gate. It's narrow.is.the.gate. Uh, that I am guessing most of you have probably seen online, um, and she's going to share her testimony with us today. And so that is the first half of the episode, and then in the second half, we talk about the difference between the broad path and the narrow way, and uh, kind of share some of our own experiences traversing both of them, uh, and it's just a great conversation. She is very wise, wise beyond her years, uh, which you will see from this conversation. And what I appreciate about her most is that she does not veer from scripture in order to uh, encourage and uplift and also speak the truth, even when that truth is a hard one. Um, she's just, she's a great lady. I think you're going to really appreciate this interview. Before I get into that conversation, a quick reminder to leave a rating and review on the podcast app. If you have not done that for Kindled, I love hearing from you guys. Read every single one and your reviews help this podcast be found by more women who need to hear the hope of the gospel and need to be encouraged as they are navigating and walking through really challenging times uh, like all of us are and seeking to do that from a biblical worldview. So your words and your review means so much to me. Takes just about 60 seconds to do that. So if you can hop into the Apple Podcast app and do so, that would be so appreciated. And next, I want to remind you about our Patreon community, which is a growing community of over 50 women who are coming together to get bonus episodes every Friday from me on a biblical, cultural, social, or theological, or even political topic every Friday. So in addition to this podcast, which airs Mondays, they are getting an extra episode uh, every single Friday. Those episodes are just me and the mic. They are 30 minutes or less. And in addition to the bonus episodes, we are doing live Zoom calls once a month where we're getting to know each other and talk about, um, you know, something that is is a, a shared reality or a common theme for all of us. Uh, last month, we got to know each other. This month, we're going to be talking a lot about church. So maybe you're looking for a community where you can talk about some of the deep topics that, um, you know, that I bring up oftentimes on here with other women and not just listen to me talk, but also engage with others and have a place to um, share those ideas with, talk through 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 things, ask questions. Uh, that is what we're building over on Patreon. And you can join us at patreon.com slash kindled podcast for $10 a month. So go check that out. Okay, here is my conversation with Z from Narrow is the Gate. Okay. All right. So Z, thank you so much for joining me today here on Kindled. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure being on here. So uh, before we get started, I will just let listeners know that um, we go to the same church here in Kansas City, yes. and we recently kind of met in real life. Um, I, I think that I saw you on Instagram or knew you from Instagram before I met you in person, which is which is always fun. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, when I was, I'm in small group with some of your old small group friends and she was like, oh yeah, she goes to our church. And I was like, what? Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> awesome. 
Um, which is, which is really fun because there's a lot of relationships that you build on Instagram that you'll never meet those people in real life. So it's nice to have somebody that I'm actually like at church with on Sunday. Yeah, that's true. So tell the listeners who, whoever has not heard of you, who you are and what you do. Okay. So my name is Yamara and I go by Z. So I have an Instagram account. It's um, narrow.is.the.gate. And I also have a blog. It's called narrowisthegate.net. And how I went about starting Instagram is um, God saved me in 2014. And I was attending a church that was not teaching biblical truths. And God faithfully opened my eyes to that in 2018. So after I started studying and reading the Bible a lot, um, a year later, I told myself, how can I possibly just keep all these biblical truths to myself? You know, I want to let other women know about these truths. Um, And I also thought, you know, what if there's other women who are possibly in the same situation as I was in, where I wasn't learning anything because the church wasn't teaching anything biblical? So my greatest desire was and is still that women get to know the God of the Bible um, that they learn his truths and that way they can live out those truths, but also share it with other women. And because of that desire, that's how I ended up starting my account in August of 2019. Mm. Wow. That is so cool. I, I didn't realize that you had become a Christian just as recent as 2014. Yes. That's incredible, man. Just to see what God has done in your life. Uh, so take me back to, um, before, you know, I guess before 2014, what did your life look like? So before God saved me, I was, um, living in sensuality, sexual immorality. I was drinking. I was just completely lost. I was living however I pleased. I was just, you know, living a life in habitual sin, mm. um, just the drinking itself, you know, just looking back, just seeing how God even then was protecting me from, you know, being in a car accident and drinking and driving and just living that like reckless life. Mm-hmm. So my life before Christ was, um, I also spoke, you know, very, um, I guess you can say vulgar, my speech, it just, I was just a mess. Mm -hmm. So I love looking back and just seeing how God changed so many areas of my life and the way I, you know, dressed, the way I spoke and what I was chasing after. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. But, uh, but I, you know, before you're a Christian, you don't have a reason not to live that way, you know? Exactly. Yeah. No conviction. Right. Nothing. So yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was just to say, that's what everyone around us is doing and it's normal or sort of just the, the societal norm. Exactly. Yeah. So then what changed for you in 2014? What happened? So as I was attending this church, well, my husband is, um, he's been a believer for many, many years. So when we started dating, um, he had shared the gospel with me and then I knew he was a believer. So selfishly I said, Hey, let's go to church together. You know, in my mind, it was like, let's try to make 
our relationship better by going to church together. Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't saved. So my idea was selfish. Mm -hmm. So we started going to this um, church and they weren't teaching any biblical truths, but I wasn't a believer. So I was fine with that then. And, um, you know, I mean, my husband had shared the, the gospel with me and just even attending this church. I mean, God saved me. Um, and I started to see, it's so crazy to see myself changing. I didn't know why or understand why I, some things were convicting me and I started to stop watching certain things and listening to certain things. And I didn't know why I just felt that conviction. I think it's just so beautiful to see that even when we don't realize that we are saved, that we do see that our life is changing. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand what was happening. Um, but yeah, so um, when that I started to then have the desire to be in the word and we still stayed in this church, but so I was um, clueless. So my, when I say be in the word, I'm really saying little Joyce Meyer and Christine Kane devotionals. I'm not really talking about being in the word. So I wasn't really growing spiritually or really no, knowing anything about God, but um, I was living differently. And, mm -hmm. and um, I knew that God, I mean, something was happening in my life. I just didn't understand what that was. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's so interesting. So you had this conviction to like, just sort of start changing your life behavior modification. Would you say at that point, did, were you saved when that conviction was happening or was that before your true like conversion moment? No, I think, I don't know. You know, I, I know for sure I was saved. I knew I had repented of my sins. Mm -hmm. I knew I had placed my trust in Christ. Mm -hmm. I didn't know, you know, how that happened or why it was mm -hmm. happening. Yeah. Um, I knew that, you know, I was, I saw myself repenting of my sins more. My lifestyle was changing. Things were convicting me and I was just really starting to walk, you know, the opposite direction. And I wasn't walking with the world anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So was it, uh, sorry if you said this, but was there like a specific moment of conversion you remember, or was it just more like a gradual realization? Yeah, it was gradual. It yeah. was never a moment where I was like, Hey, it was this day. Yeah. And it's awesome how some people can do that. But mm -hmm. for me, it wasn't. But looking back, I can know it was then because that's when I started to gradually change my life. Yeah. Was it, uh, do you feel like, so you said your husband, before you guys were married, he shared the gospel with you. Yes. Would you say that that was like a pivotal moment or was it just that that kind of gave you an understanding? And then as you were starting to go to church and hear it repeated that it actually started to take root or I know these are detailed questions. I'm just curious. Yeah, exactly. That's how it was. So when yeah. he shared the gospel, it wasn't like, Oh, you know, it was just like, Oh, okay. I understand it a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's what mm -hmm. changed me then. You know, mm -hmm. I just continued to go to church and continue to hear things. And my husband, you know, continued. He remembers sharing the gospel with me a few times. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as lost, you know, sinners, sometimes we just don't, we can't remember, oh, that person shared it with me mm -hmm. um, that time. And that's when it really yeah. hit me, you know. Right. So. Yeah, I just, I, I, I guess I'm drawing that out to point out for the listeners that um, 
it's not necessarily the first time you share the gospel with someone that that is the moment that they are saved and their life flips on its head and it, they do a 180 and you can see this night and day difference. You know, sometimes it's you share the gospel and you see absolutely nothing or you see a lot exactly. of the same and then they continue to live how they were, but you don't know what God is doing in their heart or exactly. the ways he's convicting them and just slowly revealing things to them by the power of his Holy spirit. Like we just don't know. And so I think it's really, um, it's just really incredible that we have such a variety of, um, experiences as far as how we come to know Jesus Christ as our savior and how we come to believe that. And that not everyone has this, like, I remember the day it was July 17th, 1989. You know, it's (laughs) for, for some people it is. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But um, for you and and for me as well, there wasn't like a clear delineation. And yet look at what God has done in your life that the the fruit is undeniable. You know, the fruit is there. It's evidence of the change. Absolutely. So, um, so as you started to, you know, be convicted of sin, start changing the way you were living, um, what, what did that look like? in your pursuit of God or his pursuit of you? Like what, what did that relational as it was that relationship, as it was kind of new and budding, what did that look like? So, you know, being that I was saved while I was attending this unbiblical church Mm -hmm. and that's all I really knew. I feel like even going, being in this church, I don't feel that I had a strong relationship with him because I feel that I didn't know him. The church was very, you know, preaching the feel good stuff, the God loves you, Jesus died for you kind of stuff. It wasn't any substance to who he is. So, um, you know, I was doing devotionals, as I mentioned before, and, you know, I just started to feel um, that there was more to just devotionals. I started to have that desire of what, what is out there? Is it just devotionals and three verses? And I tell you, God is so faithful when we do pray according to his will. So I started to pray, God, please give me that desire to know you more. Give me, lead me to teachings that will teach me who you are so that I can grow to know you and love you more. So I just, got tired of the devotionals and I started Googling questions Mm -hmm. and about just, I was just curious about so much because I didn't know much. So I must have come across the word salvation because um, it stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And a few days later, I asked my husband like, Hey, what is salvation? Can I lose my salvation? Mm -hmm. And he had just recently started listening to RC Sproul and John MacArthur because he was on my same in the same boat, we were lost. We didn't, we were clueless. We didn't really know biblical truths. So um, a lot of the biblical truths. So I listened to R.C. Sproul's Assurance of Salvation um, teaching. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. That was the very first time in my life since I had been saved that I had heard such deep theological teachings. I was blown away. I was in awe of who God is. I couldn't believe, you know, what I was learning from him. And I was taking so many notes and that just gave me a greater hunger to know the God of the Bible. And um, from that day on, 
I started reading my Bible and studying my Bible a lot. And I just couldn't get enough of, of who God is, you know, and Mm -hmm. apart from the Bible, we can't say, I know God intellectually, Mm -hmm. because apart from the Bible, we really don't know who he is and who we are and his grace and how we should walk through this life as believers. So, you know, just being in his word just really opened my eyes and my love for him grew stronger and I felt closer to him. And I finally felt like I knew who he was. And, you know, it's been so amazing since then and just seeing his faithfulness and how he works in, in our lives to grow us even through suffering and to see us being molded into the image of his son. Yeah. Wow. That's so incredible. Your testimony mirrors so much of my own and just my own journey it, as a believer, um, growing in my understanding, but also more importantly, perhaps my love for God, because I, I was saved, I would say at probably nine, like a young age, but, um, and, and I did have a, a season where I would say all through high school, like I really did want to, to know, and I did love God and, and I would read like deep, I would read I would, at 16 or maybe 15, even I was reading, uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Is that Jonathan Edwards? I can't remember. Um, who wrote that? I think it might be Edwards, uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God, which is like a very heavy, like all about God's wrath. But I remember reading it and just being like, so in awe of God's justice and his righteousness and how far short I fell of it. And, um, and, and I, I would say I was truly seeking him then, but I allowed, you know, some dating relationships to kind of take the forefront of my heart. And so I started, you know, having, uh, sexual immorality practices, you know, just that becoming a regular part of my life. And the more that I didn't obey God, um, the further I got from him. So the less I loved him, the less I obeyed him. And then the less I knew him. And so it was just this sort of domino effect of, um, you know, one choice to disobey, uh, and, and perhaps, you know, maybe back when I was that age, it was maybe a lot of my, maybe it was rooted in just a desire for knowledge. I don't know. Uh, I can't really remember if, if I truly understood that it wasn't just about fearing God. It was also about loving him and that fear was love. And, and I feel like I almost sort of had like a more legalistic view of like, um, I didn't have any understanding that there was grace or like a pathway back because of Jesus. You know, I, so whenever I sinned, I, I had no way back to the father. It was like, I had to earn my way back and I knew I couldn't. So then I was basically doomed. And so, but I, I identify a lot with how you were describing back when you were in that church that was unbiblical and just reading devotionals and kind of just shallow teaching that you didn't really know God. And, um, and that is sort of how I feel about the church that I've been in for the last 10 years until, um, this summer we left that church. And even though I would say, I, I knew I was a Christian, I, I was saved for that whole time because, and I don't believe I've lost my salvation. I wasn't learning more about God. I feel like mostly I was learning about myself in some way, shape or form. 
Um, and so, you know, through a series of teachings that the church would do or exploring the Enneagram or exploring just all these like kind of human focused oriented studies or teachings, I felt like I was always coming away from church going like, what does that mean for me? What does it, what does that do for me? You know, it, it, it's like the, it's like, I thought the Bible centered on me mm-hmm. and I didn't understand that that wasn't what I was supposed to come away with. I was not supposed to come away thinking more about myself, but thinking more about God. And so I, I, even though I was saved that whole time, I don't feel like I grew a spiritual depth or a true love for God in that time. It was mostly still about me. What does this mean for me? What is, Mm -hmm. how does this change my life? Or what am I going to do with this? What is this, you know, how am I going to take this away and improve or get better or try harder? Like it was always back to me. And that's a lot of pressure, as you know, especially if you're someone that is coming from a life that was disobedient and like living against a lot of God's, you know, uh, laws and, and living not in a way that he, that would please him or glorify him you're, you've just got to behavior modify. You've just got to, you know, make yourself better, fix yourself up, try harder. And as you and I know, like ultimately we will fail if that is where we are getting our, our power from. Yeah. Did you feel like, um, that was kind of, you know, was that sort of were similar teachings? Like I'm describing about sort of everything is about you. The Bible is about you, this passage, this sermon, this, everything kind of comes back to what are you going to do about it? You know? Yeah. And I can relate uh, to you with that. It's, it was always about, it's funny because, well, not funny, but the women's ministry, we had a Bible study and it would, we would sit in a circle and we would um, talk about a passage And then we would go around and say what it meant to each and one of us. So what does it mean to you? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to you? So everybody had a different meaning. So I was twisting scripture a lot, which is why I am extremely passionate about the series that I do called Twisted Scripture, Mm -hmm. because I was once that Christian who looked at a verse and said, how, what does this mean to me? Mm -hmm. Not what is God saying and how can I apply it? But, you know, it's all about me, me, me. Mm -hmm. So just doing this series shows the importance of studying scripture and being able to interpret God's word Mm -hmm. and understand what he is saying, not what we want it to say. Right. And, you know, even the comments that I get, you realize that a lot of people have this misunderstanding of God's word and how they thought a verse, what a verse meant and what it really means. And yeah. so just like you, it was about me, about how is this going to benefit me? And mm-hmm. that's how we don't, that's why we don't grow because it's instead of being about God and how can we grow to be like Christ, it's about me, me, me. I want to interrupt this episode to let you know about the business that I run outside of this podcast. And that is H Williams Creative. That is my web design and graphic design business where I help businesses of all shapes and sizes brand themselves online, show up more professional and more effectively online than they ever have before and help execute the vision that is in their head. What I hear most often from my clients is that they have a vision and they they can picture what they want their website to look like, what they want their brand to look like, but that's just not what they have. And they are struggling to get from the vision in their head to the actual screen showing 
what they want their clients to see, what they want their customers experience to be on their website and with their brand. That is where I come in. That's the part that I play in your business, whether it is with a WordPress website, uh, email marketing, graphic design, branding, templates for social media, all of the above is, is stuff that I help clients with every single day in my business. And I truly love the work that I do. If that is something that you need for your small business or uh, something that you are starting up, or maybe it's a, a thriving business and you just need a refresh or a rebrand, let's talk. My website is hwilliamscreative.com or you can email me at Haley at hwilliamscreative.com. Now back to my conversation with Z. Yeah. And, and I mean, you and I both, I think would, you know, would agree that of course, when we read the Bible and when we, you know, when we read and understand what his word says, that is going to, to mean that we have to do something with that. We do have Mm -hmm. to take that into our life and go, okay, like, yeah, how do I apply this to my life? Like, am I being faithful in this area or am I not? Am I, you know, do I have any idols or do like, what am I worshiping? What am I living for? What is my heart longing for? So it's not that we don't apply scripture to us, but we don't read scripture through the lens of our lives or through the lens of our perception. Like, like you just said, what is God saying? Not what am I saying that scripture means to me? Because you can read, you can read it that way and you can come away. You and I could read the same passage and say, well, for me, you know, it means that, um, I need to, you know, like for instance, love your neighbor. That means I need to love everyone. Um, and, and that means I shouldn't judge their sin or ever tell anyone that they're wrong about anything. So for me, that's what, it just encourages me to just be more accepting when it's like someone else could say, well, no, for me, it means I need to do this other thing. So if we all read scripture and interpret it in light of whatever we think it should mean, we're going to come away with like a hundred different meanings. And, you know, whenever you have something with so many different interpretations, it actually ceases to lose any meaning at all. It doesn't, Mm -hmm. you know, if that's how we're going to read it, well, then it's useless because if it can mean whatever you say and whatever I say, then that means it doesn't actually mean anything. It's, it's not, it's not actually uh, powerful. And so uh, since the word of God says it is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it is profitable for us, it has to have concrete meaning. It has to has to be interpreted the way that it was written and with the words that it was meant to have. And there is meaning. And there's, as our pastor, Jeff Terrell says all the time, there is one interpretation, many applications. And so you and I are going to interpret that scripture the same, but then we're going to apply it to our lives in our very different circumstances, maybe in, in different areas, but there's still only one meaning for, for that passage. Did you, what was it like when you were still going to that church and you started to have some realizations, like what did you start to notice and, and what were some of the red flags or the thoughts you were having? I'm sure that would have been maybe a little bit difficult to kind of have those thoughts. Like, is my church not doing like, or saying things that are, that are good or God honoring? Like what, what was that like for you? Well, for me, it was not like that. I didn't realize they were not teaching biblical things. Um, I love the church, you know, because I didn't know any better. That's where I got saved. And that's all I knew, whatever they were teaching. I nodded my head. I agreed with it. But my husband, on the other hand, which he didn't tell me till after he was starting because he had started listening to RC. He started feeling like convicted and started noticing 
hey, well, what I hear from these biblical teachers, R.C. and John MacArthur, it doesn't align with what our current pastor is teaching. Mm. So he recalls that he told me a few times and that I kind of brushed it off, <laughs> but maybe not really realizing the seriousness of someone not preaching truth. Mm-hmm. So I didn't realize everything until I actually started studying scripture and then looked back. And one day I even went back to listen to one of their sermons um, already, you know, being in another church, just to Mm -hmm. see if I could really see the contrast. And I was just blown away. And I just couldn't believe that I sat through that for, you know, like three or four years. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy how when we are blinded because of our lack of biblical knowledge, Mm -hmm. we will just absorb whatever people tell us. But when we know truth, Mm -hmm. then we're able to discern, hey, this doesn't sound right. Right. I'm going to go look that up in scripture and see if it aligns. If it doesn't align, then you know that what they're teaching is not true. Yeah, that's so true. When we don't know truth, we absorb whatever we hear as truth. And that becomes what we, what we think is true. And then if we never open our Bible, if like, if you're at a church like that, that like you said, they kind of maybe they pull out one or two scriptures here or there, they have a a topic they want to address. So they've got a few scriptures they've cherry picked from out from throughout scripture. You know, you're, you never really have to dig into the Bible. You never really have to see the bigger picture, you know, the meta narrative of scripture. You never have to really think about the fact that all of scripture points to Jesus Christ. And you never have to think about the fact that why did Jesus come? Well, because, you know, we were all destined to hell and there was no way for us to be made right, unless he became the perfect sacrifice. Like you never have to do any of that. If you just kind of stay at the surface, you keep, you know, you keep kind of listening to the feel good message, walking away, feeling like there's like a a couple points that you can take into your life and feel some energy for your week. And then it by Thursday and Friday, it, it it wears off and you need to go back again for your little refill, you know? Um, but that's how so many people are doing church every week. And they don't, it's really sad because they don't actually realize what, that they're missing anything. They just kind of think that is what the Christian life is. Go to church, hear a motivational message, get drained out of the motivation that you got filled up with throughout the week and then go get refilled again. Yeah. What would you say? Have you come away with any thoughts about, you know, um, how to, I don't know, speak to our friends who are stuck in churches like that and and who are, um, you know, really not sitting under biblical preaching. Yeah. And sadly, I do have a lot of friends who I love dearly who are still attending that church or attend other churches just like it. And the best thing we can do, you know, is always point them back to God's word and to be rooted in God's word, because we can tell them all these things. But if they don't understand scripture, then it's not going to have any meaning to them. Mm-hmm. But if they understand scripture and they then they can and then we tell them something, then they could say, oh, wait, you know, with Z or Haley's telling me aligns what I read in the Bible or what I studied. But if we're not rooted in, in God's word, I mean, I have a friend that is not rooted in God's word. And I'm always pointing out these things and it's like dead air. Mm -hmm. Now she were rooted in God's word and I would say something, 
she would probably be a little more responsive because she would maybe say, oh, I did read that. I understand where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. So I think the best thing we can do is always point someone to scripture Mm -hmm. and, you know, or share Bible verses with them if we know that they're going a different direction with something, just maybe share Bible verses that will bring them back and say, okay, well, what you think is right is not right because here are these verses here are these verses that contradict whatever you're thinking. So, and, you know, as you and I said, God is faithful when we seek his word and he knows that we want to learn his truths. He's not going to hide his truths from us. He's going to reveal them to us. So, you know, that's encouraging to know that our time in the word is not in vain. We're always going to walk away with something because he's faithful to convict us through it and show us new truths that we didn't see a few weeks or months before when we came to that passage. So, you know, just always being encouraged through his word. That's awesome. Yeah, I agree. There really is, there really is no other solution. And even as I talk through it and think, man, like, how do I help people or what could I do or what could I say, or what conversation starter could there be for me to chat with those friends who are maybe still stuck in a church that is not encouraging them to really know God through his word there is no, there is no key phrase. There is no, you know, specific word that, that everyone could use. You know, it's, it's really the Holy spirit. And and we know that he is the one that has to open spiritual eyes. And, uh, and so there's, there's nothing else we can do, but pray for them and point them to scripture. So exactly. yeah, so good. Um, so let's see, where do I want to go from here? Um, so let's talk a little bit about, um, the narrow, the narrow gate in your name and what that means. So that, that comes from Matthew 7, 13 through 14, correct? Yes. So can you kind of tell us uh, why that scripture is meaningful to you? Okay. So um, I'll just read it just in case someone doesn't have their Bibles with them. So it says, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy to, that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and by the way, it's hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So what Jesus is doing here is is he's speaking of two different pathways, right? And every single person in this world is either walking the broad way or the narrow way. There's no middle road, and one's always going to lead to eternal life, and one's always going to lead to eternal death. It's, It's not, oh, well you know, I'm going to walk this wide path right now and live however I want because it'll eventually merge into one. Well, that's not how it works, you know? So first we have to understand that we all start in this wide path because the Bible tells us that, you know, we are born sinners and we can read this in Psalm 51, five and 58, three. So we all start here in this wide path and it's easy because we don't have to sacrifice anything we give into our passions, our desires, we don't need to use self control, everyone's truth, you know, is subjective, everybody believes in they're all false gods, and everyone's okay with it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's easy, because nobody has to change anything. Nobody mm-hmm. has to leave their sin. And not only is this wide path, um, something that leads to eternal damnation, but it's also a path that continues to lead us to destruction while we are still living. 
you know, we can see around us how this world functions without God. It's just chaos. And there's ruin, there's broken marriages, there's all kinds of things that goes on because it's, it's, you know, we're destroying, we're destructive, we, we don't have any guidance. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's what it looks like to be on the wide path. Now, the narrow path, we can't get to the narrow path on our own, you know, so how, how can we get there? Well, Jesus said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's Mark 1.15. But we have to also understand that um, that it's not our doing and it's a gift from God. And Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. That's John 6.44. So we could also look at Ephesians. You know, it is by grace that you we have been saved through faith and it's nothing that we have done it's simply a gift from god it's not from works or there's nothing we should be boasting about so if we've repented of our sins and placed our trust in christ we will be on that narrow path but once we're on this path of course life is not easy mm-hmm. um you know there is what does that mean you know we all have to take up our cross daily And that may look different for all Christians, but at the end of the day, we all have to put to death, you know, self-importance, self-dependence, self-absorption. We have to deny ourselves of, you know, worldly desires. It's pretty much saying and saying a commitment. I want to live like Christ lived. And with that commitment, we are going to endure persecution, you know, hostility, we're going to lose friends and family. There's mocking. There's hardships that come with all that. So uh, many, and you know, many Christians have lost their lives because of their profession of faith in Christ. So taking up our cross daily and walking that narrow path means that we are willing to suffer for the sake of his name. And, you know, we all suffer, but we can always turn to God because no matter what we are going through he is our hope and our strength through difficult times so narrow is the gate means a lot to me because you know just even looking at my own life and how that scripture comes into play you know I was once on that broad path of destruction and leading to eternal death but Mm -hmm. because of his grace and me just being a sinner that doesn't deserve that and knowing that he chose me um, and now I'm walking in this narrow path. I mean, that is just so amazing to see that he has placed me in this path to live for him and living for him may cost me things, but it doesn't matter because I will be able to enjoy him forever. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So good. I I love so much that you brought out. I was trying to take notes on some of it just to come back around, but yeah, I I like how you um, pointed out that we all start out on the broad path. It's where we all are. And so, you know, for those of us who find ourselves today on a narrow path, uh, it's not our own, you know, it's not our own works that got us there. We didn't, we didn't somehow find the narrow gate and be like, oh, I think I want to do this. Like it wasn't us, you know, like you said, it was all, of grace that 
put pick like plucked you out of that broad path and put you on the narrow path and um and that being you know a life submitted to god living according to the way that he has said living like christ lived um being willing to take up our cross daily and putting ourselves to death which sounds kind of noble but actually looks really really hard and ugly you know in the mm-hmm. in the day to day that um we say that a lot but it is it is really ugly and terrible to actually live through a lot of times when it looks like like you described some of the things you know losing friends and um and not and denying yourself not being obsessed with yourself or living for all of your desires even some desires that are good maybe it means you're not going to be able to build that business as much as you could in the little children years because other people need you and that's your calling and to be their mother uh, maybe it means you have to uh, stand for truth and some friends cancel you and leave you behind or speak badly about you or gossip about you. Um, I mean, all of these things are are things that we're going to experience and they're very painful realities to actually live, Um, but they are achieving for us. um, I can't remember the reference, but that eternal weight of glory. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's, I know that's Paul speaking that, you know, he considers his sufferings, um, you know, nothing really, because they're, they're meaningless compared to that eternal weight of glory that they're achieving for him. And, uh, that might be second Corinthians. I don't know. We'll have to look it up, but, um, you know, I just, I think that it's, it is really hard to remember when you're in those actual situations in that, you know, living out of, uh, of the Christian life, that it's not meaningless. It's not for, it's not for nothing. It's not doing nothing. It is actually producing something. It is producing the weight of glory, which means that someday when we actually are in the presence of God, all of the, all of the suffering that we encounter in this life, all of the trials produced in us a joy because they lifted our heart up to God because we were we were not able to find joy in our circumstances. We were not able to find security in those friendships or in that business or in whatever, you know, we all have different circumstances that we're living right now. But I mean, those are truly the times where you are drawn the most close to God because you actually physically need him. Now we, we always need him really, but we're not always aware of that, you know? And so he uses those suffering, um, periods and times and situations in our lives to remind us of how much we actually need him. Yeah. What would you say has been something that you have, um, one of the ways that you have had to kind of take up your cross daily? Well, um, you know, most of what I, what I first seen when I first started, um, studying scripture again and knowing God's will for the life of believers that's when I really started to see what it was like to take up our cross. You know, it's that constant working towards righteousness. It's saying no to my desires on a day-to-day basis. You know, I struggle with being a patient person. And that is really like just praying about it, memorizing scripture about it, and really submitting to God in those times where I just feel like I'm going to explode because I don't have any more patience in me. Mm-hmm. And just day to day, just being able to say, Z, you know, motherhood is not easy. You have to be patient. You have to be slow to anger. You know, love is patient, right? So I can't tell my son, 
hey, let's be patient when his mom can't display that. So it is a struggle for me and I'm working through it and I have grown in this area, but it's still something that I have to take up my cross daily for my patience and my being slow to anger. You know, we struggle with that indwelling sin Mm -hmm. and that tug where your flesh wants to do or say something. And then you're like, no, I have to live like Christ did. And it's that Mm -hmm. constant struggle every day to choose to be more like Christ. So, I mean, you know, it's just something that happens daily. Yeah. And just denying ourselves, you know, we are selfish, prideful individuals because of our sinful nature. So being able to say, hey, Z, it's not about you. It's about pouring into your son. It's about glorifying God through your motherhood. That is hard because we always want to do what we think is right instead mm-hmm. of doing what we think God wants for us in our household and motherhood and being a wife, you know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it is hard. Um, but yeah, thanks. Thanks be to God that we are not doing it through our own strength because I would, I would give up. And I, and I have, when I, when I try and do it on my own strength, I do give up, you know, and that's when yeah. I feel despairing and I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. I don't have what it takes. I'm over it. I'm done. And I just want to throw in the towel and just be like, raise yourselves. I'm not doing it. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, the spirit convicts me and, and somehow gives me the energy to keep fighting, keep fighting the flesh and keep relying on him and his, his power and not mine. So I'm so grateful that we have that as believers. Um, one of, one of the last questions I want to ask you is what do you see in the evangelical church today that indicates that so many, prefer that broad path to the narrow way and actually um in some ways uh are are trying to live a broad path while being on the narrow way if that makes sense it's like and and i know we don't know people's salvation status you know really we we don't know the heart but i feel like there's just a trend maybe in in um maybe this has always been a thing just christians preferring that a broad approach to the narrow way, if we would put it that way, like I'd, I'd rather not be, you know, exclusive of anyone. I'd rather not draw any hard lines. I'd rather just kind of let everything be fine. And in some ways I I'm like, well, so, you know, are you, are you changing paths? Are you going back to the broad way? Like, or what is that that we're seeing? So I think what is so obvious is, you know, false preachers, false teachers, They preach a false gospel and they know it, but they prefer the easy road, right? They don't want to offend anyone. They don't want to lose churchgoers. You know, they want to please man and they don't care if they have to twist scripture in the process. They have no reverence for God. And, you know, they, and then these people who are sitting in these churches as well, I mean, if we, you know, if we're, if we're, if God's going to save us or we're saved, God is sovereign and he will eventually remove us from that church sooner or later. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we are not saved and we're just professing Christians, then we're going to want to say we're on the narrow path because we're going to church and because we have said we are a Christian, but mm-hmm. we love, you know, they love the non-biblical teachings, the, the motivation, the self-love, the self-care, mm-hmm. you know, they don't, they love that their sin is not being pointed out. They're not being told to repent. They're not being called sinners. They're not saying, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, to take up your cross, you're going to have to leave your current life. 
and they just love that path. And you, we see it because they, they're okay with that. They're not trying to say, hey, maybe I do need to be in the word, or maybe I need to go look for another church. It's no, I'm comfortable right where I'm at, and I'm okay with non-biblical teachings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. God will be faithful to those who are his. Um, and, and like you said, he's going to, he's going to be faithful because he can't, he can't be unfaithful to them and he will fulfill his promises in, in actually sanctifying them. Um, but where we see people never ever, uh, you know, and we don't know what God's going to do in their life in the future, but where we see people persistently continue to choose, um, errant teachings and, you know, like you said, a lot of those, uh, just worldly teachings, really the, the itching ears, things that, things that people with itching ears love to hear. Um, you know, I think that that often is an indicator that there really hasn't been a heart change that maybe church for them or Christianity for them is behavior modification, or maybe it's uh, causes a cause that they like it's, it's about social change or changing the world or, you know, or, or something that's just kind of more, um, really just fulfills something that they desire, not, uh, not necessarily what God says is best or, um, you know, his purpose in the world. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's a great answer. What encouragement do you have for women to stay on that narrow way and enter through that narrow gate for anyone who's listening, who's like, I'm with you. Uh, it's just so hard out there right now. (laughs) Like what's your encouragement? And I get it. And, you know, I think, Again, it always goes back to being in the word. We have to be in the word. Mm -hmm. I I mean, it's not an option. God didn't say, hey, if you want to be in the word, that's fine. If not, no. You know, we are commanded to use discernment. Well, we can't use discernment if we don't know biblical truths. Mm -hmm. And so number one, stay rooted in God's word. Mm -hmm. And number two, if you are struggling to be in the word, which, you know, we all go through seasons. We might be in a season where, where we're just like immersed in God's word and we just feel like we can't get enough of it. And then there might be seasons where we're just dragging ourselves to the Bible and we're just like, oh, do I have to go and, you know, read my Bible? Do I have to study it today? Mm-hmm. So if you're at that in this season, then I would suggest seeking accountability from your small group or a mentor because we can't do life on our own. And we need that fellowship and that accountability to point us to Christ and to point mm-hmm. out our sin and to keep us on that narrow path. Because even though we won't lose our salvation or anything like that, we still can fall away from truth, even if it's temporarily. So in order for us to continue to stay on that narrow path, we need someone to just be there for us and keep us accountable for this, which is why, you know, being a member of a church is important. Why being right. part of a small group is important because we can't do life on our own and we're not supposed to. Yeah. Amen. So, so key. Yeah. We can't do it alone. And uh, yeah, if you're in a church like that, I mean, number one, probably needed to have a conversation with your pastors and see, you know, what they would say to some of your questions, bring up those concerns Um, and if they, you know, say, well, our goal here is to reach the, reach the lost and, and not to actually grow Christians in their faith, then you need to find yourself a new church. Um, and it's not that churches never should reach the lost, but of course that's, that's the goal, but, but actually the church is for Christians. And if we're not maturing people like our church, they have something on the wall 
lost people saved, saved people matured, matured people multiplied. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, when I first saw that, when I walked into the building, I was like, oh my goodness, this is what has been missing from the church I just came from. It, w- it was a missing idea. It was almost just like lost people saved, saved people multiplied. They've skipped the middle part of once you're saved, you need to be matured and you can't mm-hmm. do that without sound teaching, without community, without accountability, without life on life discipleship. Like, and again, all very hard to actually do day in and day out. You have to go to church. You actually have to be involved. You have to show up at small group. Like these things take time. It takes time to text your small group and to engage with them. Like, but it's not a, a useless endeavor. It's not fruitless. There's so much purpose in doing that. And, uh, and those are all the ways that God grows us. And so it's just so encouraging, um, you know, for you and I having come from places that were not very biblical to now be in one. And it makes me just long for every woman who's listening, who wants that to, to really be able to find that. And, um, and I know that it can be hard, but I would just encourage you to press on. It's so worth it. Even with it, you know, all the pain you might have to go through to get there. Absolutely. Well, Z, where can people find you online and follow you and all of your um, awesome content that you're putting out? <laughs> Thank you. So again, my Instagram account is narrow.is.the.gate and my blog is narrowisthegate.net. Perfect. Yeah. She has some excellent series on there. Like she mentioned the twisted scripture one and some others that um, you'll find very helpful and very applicable to just a lot of the messages that you're hearing now, especially from some of those more shallow Christian teachers. So thanks for all you, you do. And I'm happy to, uh, to know you and be getting to know you more. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope that conversation is encouraging for you, um, especially coming off of Easter weekend when many of us invited friends to church or perhaps shared the gospel with someone or have been encouraged to do so. And um, I know how easy it is to get this idea in your head that, you know, you've shared and now you want to see the fruit of it. You want to both garden and harvest. And yet, Um, that is not on us to do. We cannot harvest. We can merely plant and water, plant and water. And God is the one who's in charge of the harvest. So, um, be encouraged by that. And, um, you know, don't carry the burden of thinking that you need to bring about or say the right thing, or that you could even say the words in such a way to, you know, cause conviction in someone's heart or to, make them come alive spiritually to God. That is work that only he can do. And uh, we just, we can pray for people and we can continue to love them and show up in their lives and both speak the truth and uh, live it out through uh, service and care for them and just their practical needs. But, um, but ultimately it is God who redeems. Hope you guys have an excellent rest of your week. Come say hi to me on Instagram at hayleywilliams.kindled. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes. And uh, if you want to get another episode this Friday, join us inside Patreon at patreon.com slash kindled podcast. All right, guys, I will see you next week. Bye.